Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. Brian, how's it going? It's going really well. Um, We're here to talk about some sports that are kind of rounding off the school year. Yeah, academics. Academic year is winding down, but the, the sports certainly are not. Only in the area round of the baseball playoffs, the regional quarterfinal round of the softball postseason. And it's uh, state track week, finally. Um, so there's a lot to dive into. And I guess we'll just dive right into our baseball and softball playoffs. And uh, Brian, what were some of the things that stuck out for you this past weekend as um, boys transitioned from the bi-district round to the area round and girls moved from the area to the regional quarterfinal round? I think one of the big games that you know I, I, I noticed was Estacado. Estacado lost their first game to Pampa, and then they came back to win the series, just showing a lot of resiliency. And we know that that team's young. It's a younger team that's getting a, some playoff experience. So that was kind of interesting to see, as well as you know uh, the Coronado baseball team proving to be you know exactly what we knew they were at the end of the district season a tough team uh lubbock cooper's in the mix monterey's in the mix they're going to be well represented in the area round yeah lubbock's going to be very well represented at the at the large school uh, level uh moving on into the area round and i had the privilege of seeing the lubbock cooper in plainview series which i thought was outstanding missed game one uh doing other things um but linked up with that series uh for game two and returned saturday for game three and all, all to, both the games were, I mean, absolute classics. Lead changes. No, no game that I saw had less than three lead changes in it. And um, you know, you really admire Plainview. You know, this is the team that started the season, I believe, two and fourteen, finished third in their district, three games out of first place, and, and gave Cooper a team with three bona fide Division One signees on it, all that they wanted. Um, but credit Cooper. You know, this is a this is a program where it really seemed like. In game three, things were going to teeter on the Plainview side, just as they had in game two. Come back, get strong pitching from um, some unlikely suspects because, you know, high school baseball teams really only designed for you to have two quality starters because they pitch Tuesday and Friday. No sense of having three because what are you going to do? Have one pitch Tuesday, one pitch Friday, and then the third one pitch the next Tuesday. That yeah. doesn't make sense. But when you get to the postseason, that logic's turned up upside its head and you wish that you had a uh, third starting pitcher. So it's really patchwork pitching, and the pitch count has made it tough too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have a guy that you want to go to, but you have to do the math on how many pitches he has left, where you want to utilize him, and then bring in a um, lesser pitcher. Um, both teams had that issue in Saturday's game, uh, but Plainview's, sorry, Cooper's uh, pitching staff held out just a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, and when you mentioned that most teams only have two, we knew Cooper had three coming into the whole thing. So it's it was a fun series to follow, not only to attend, but I was following it. I had to be in office, of course, taking boxes, but... I got to follow the series online, and it was very fun to watch. Another thing that stood out to me um, about this last week, and this happened in not only baseball, but 
and softball as well. And that's all these games getting pushed to a three-game series. Mm -hmm. We saw that a lot, especially on the softball end for most teams. And actually, if you want to check in with the Coronado softball team, we had a looking ahead come out on Monday that I think kind of gives you a little insight on how they've been able to get to this point after losing the district title for mm. the first time in 23 or 22 years rather and man they have a massive challenge this week with uh, el paso east lake uh, lubbock high met its end last week um, in quick games i mean this is an east lake team that's 30 and 4 and i'm wondering when you talked to coronado if anyone said that they got help or a scouting report from their friends at Lubbock High? Uh, not at the time they hadn't. They were in negotiations, I believe. I think that's the, uh, more or less what they said. And uh, more so, it was early on in the week. I mean, we spoke on Monday, and Monday is kind of when you start getting the scouting reports in, and then throughout the week you kind of break them down. So at the time they hadn't, but maybe Lubbock High or Coronado reached out and Lubbock High was able to help them kind of prepare um you know but coach nancy sawyer seemed to uh know the the bigger details about what they're going to expect you see that hayden vanderos back on the baseball side dismantled river <laughs> road i mean four for five what six rbis two home runs and three runs scored in that game yeah he's having a standout year um you know i talked to coach a little bit about it and their lineup you know on any given night has these games where they really show out and this one was one for Hayden Vanderos it was just when, when you're taking down the box and you're putting everything together you see performances like this and a part of you wants to call the coach and say is it this accurate um, but he also had a triple in that game four for five six RBIs a triple and two home runs he was a single and a double away from hitting for the cycle so he had a really good, really good weekend. Yeah, the easier ones are what were left off on on his cycle attempt. Yeah, the easier ones. <laughs> I think two home runs should count as a high school cycle, though. <laughs> That's yeah. a lot of bags. But just moving on into this week's uh, competition, we'll just pick out some of the big ones. Um, Coronado versus El Paso Andres. Um, all these games are going to be at Fort Stockton. Uh, Friday evening and then Saturday at noon and then a third game if necessary uh, later on Saturday afternoon. Um, I think that could be an interesting series. Uh, Andrus kind of has the same resume as um, Coronado with exception to finishing one game short of winning uh, of winning District 1 and fell as the runner-up. Yeah, um, it's funny. This is a time of year where we're running into the El Paso teams a little bit more. Lubbock versus El Paso and um, I'm sure there are going to be some good games out there. Uh, you know, with what happened this last week and all these games being pushed to a three-game series, I think nobody's a slouch at this point, um, not in the area or in the regional quarterfinals. Estacado's a team that's really been impressing since uh, district play began. Yeah. And now they're running into an Andrews team in a three-game series that's going to be home-and-home. Home. Um, this Andrews team, I think, beat them 11 to nothing back in February. Well, that just means that they know what to expect, if that's the case. And we've seen Estacado bounce back and get some pretty impressive wins, so I wouldn't rule them out just yet. Yeah, case know? in point, like you were talking about that Pampa uh, series. Yeah, exactly. And, and really, it seemed like in, in that series that the game just collapsed on Pampa, like it was one bad inning, really, that, that separated those two teams. And the same could be said for Estacado's loss in game one of that series. And that's the funny thing about baseball. It, one series, one inning – I mean, it can just shift the momentum in a heartbeat, you know. It's it's a funny game, baseball and softball. 
here's a good one post baseball versus Stanette West Texas I, I believe these two athletic programs run into each other frequently in the postseason it's just yeah. another one post 21 two and one against West Texas 15 and five and it's a one game playoff and if you want to cut off work it's at 1 p.m. Friday at Wayland Baptist University hey might not be a bad idea to get out there uh, post has been impressive throughout you know, district, regular season. Um, they have some real talented players. And they, like you said, this is a matchup that they're used to. So whenever two programs face off against each other in the playoffs, they'll know what to expect from each other in terms of uh, strategy and coaching styles. So I, I can't remember who got the best of who last year, but it's this one, like you said, if you want to cut off work, <laughs> this one's the one probably to get out to. Moving into softball, one that stands out to me is uh, Lovett Cooper versus Canyon. Um, they like to play a one-game playoff, and then the Pirates uh, won the toss to host the game at 6.30 Friday. But this is going to be a good one. It's Cooper, which, like you said earlier, stole Coronado's 23rd consecutive district championship. Now running into the uh, champion of District 3 with a 29-4 record as opposed to the Lady Pirates' uh, 25-11 and 11 record. Cooper is – at the beginning of the year, we mentioned that Cooper was going to be a team that was going to be in this position and making a deep run as well as with Coronado and everybody. But I believe in the area round, they handily defeated their opponent. I'd have to double-check on that one, but – they're a hard-hitting team, hard-hitting, and they've got very capable pitchers. So I can see why they want to go the one-game series. I know you don't particularly like the one-game series, but if you can get it done in one and you have the clientele to do so, I think it's the right move. You know, I believe in the one game for uh, oh, okay. for, yeah. for softball. Uh, if you're going to run out the same pitcher three times oh, yeah. in a weekend, yeah, that's true. I think that's really bad on an arm. You know, there, there's not the uh, – the bad stigma uh, like there is for for pitching overhand but I think um, even though people say it's an easier motion even though I struggle with the motion uh, when I try to do it um, I, just, I, I mean the word. yeah like you're, when you're putting up 300 pitches and there's only one pitcher and, th- and maybe this isn't so much a big school problem but it's certainly a small school problem yeah I just think you know pitching 300 pitches is kind of unreasonable yeah it takes wear and tear on you just like with baseball um, I, I, personally, I can't do the motion. I, I try, and I end up just floating it every mm-hmm. time. I try, I've gotten with my niece. She plays softball, and I try to get it down. I try to help her with it, but she just knows much more about that than I do. And it takes a talented uh, pitcher to take the circle in softball. Down at the 2A level, one softball series that I'm really excited about um, and all these games are going to be played at Friendship High School, 6.30 p.m. Friday, 11 a.m. Saturday, and then a game three if necessary to follow the 11 a.m. Saturday game between Floyd Data and Rawls. And, and Rawls, uh, you know, I, I think we both thought that there was a chance that this could happen, but we really liked Post coming into the season, and uh, Rawls took care of Post in pretty fast fashion last week. Yeah, Post was good last year. Coming into this year, they seemed to just pick up right where they left off. Rawls lost a big um, senior class, and they were going through a transition with a new coach. So at the beginning, there was a question mark for me as to how well Rawls was going to do. But then they come out, and they just do what the Lady Jackrabbits do. They're a strong playoff team. And I, like I said before in the post game, Rawls is traditionally good. It's a culture thing out there when it comes to softball. So 
I wasn't surprised too much that they're, they've advanced to this game, but you know, I, I think I got a better beat on what kind of a team this is that we're following into the playoffs. So all that stuff's happening regionally, but uh, myself and Brad Tollefson, our great photographer, we're going to be headed down to Austin, uh, specifically the University of Texas's Mike A. Myers Stadium for the UIL State Track Championships, and couldn't be more excited about it. And we've got a lot of good teams, particularly at the uh, the 5A, the 3A, and the 2A level that I think are really going to compete well uh, and have the chance to place at this thing. Yeah, uh, particularly I'll, I'll be out at Abernathy on uh, Thursday. They're sending seven on both sides. You, when you send seven, you get a couple relays in there, some events. You, chances are high that you might come away with the title. Absolutely. And uh, there are a couple. I mean, I'm looking at Lubbock Cooper's boys team. Uh, Willie Kamani made it in the triple jump. He is an option. They've got six options for a uh, 4 by 400 relay team. Um, and if they, if they pick up, if, if Willie Kamani can win the triple jump, and I believe he did at, the, at regional, and then they win um, the 4x4, four four, and they did win in regional, that could be 30 points. And at that point, you're, you're looking at a pretty high placement, regardless of whatever else happens around you. Uh, that's, as much, that's as many points as they win, so I don't think that they can win a state championship with 30 points. Um, but that could be a significantly high placement out of like you know 53 schools that are bringing at least somebody in. and and yeah. that'd be good for them this is their first time to send anyone to state on the boys side since cooper made the jump from 4a to 5a a lot of moving parts and them being able to win a title but like you said there's still a chance for them to place um coronado girls they're taking a pretty significant number as well um, LISD, they have some track and field athletes. Case in point, and we need to give a shout out because we've neglected him a little bit. Coronado's Miguel Garcia making it in the discus, I believe. Yeah, I was I was just going to make that as my next point. Uh, a couple of people that really stand out in other sports because, of course, Miguel Garcia, uh, who we think is a great defensive lineman moving on to West Texas A&M to further his football career, made it in discus. Then Braylon Dollar, who's going to play West Texas A&M basketball and is a standout power forward is going in the discus shot put. A lot of good field events. I'm, I'm a field event guy, track and field in general. But, you know, I lost the coin flip on Austin uh, for certain reasons. But <laughs> I might, I, I'm not 100% convinced I don't drive out myself just to enjoy the meet in general. Deanna Smith is someone I'm excited about seeing from Littlefield. She's going to compete in the 100 and 200, and I like those burst speed burst kind of events. Uh, really looking forward to seeing Deanna Smith. Slayton and Shallow Water are sending um, a set of uh, relay teams on the girls' side. You've got Slayton. They're doing the 4x100 um, and the 4x200, or as we call it, the uh, 400 relay and the 800 relay. Shallow Water's bringing a mile relay team. That's the 4x400. Uh, and then Kaylin Breckel, you know, another standout. She's going to play basketball at Wayland Baptist. She's going in the long jump on top of being part of the 4x400 team for Shallow Water. You know what was brought to my attention today that I didn't really think about beforehand is with all everything going on right now, a lot of players are having to work in baseball games and track and yeah. field events. Yeah, I was, I was noticing that. And I think the biggest one was uh, Cutter Sparks. Uh, this is a guy who he's the starting quarterback for Shallow Water. He's a key on the baseball team that's making its run. And at the 3A regional, although he didn't get out, he was pole vaulting 
And yeah. that's, that's, you know, I, I've never pictured a quarterback as someone who in the offseason pole vaults before. <laughs> that just shows how athletic he actually is. And, you know, another case in point is Bryson Daly. They're going to – he's a – He's a good hitter in the lineup for Abernathy, and he's moving on to state. So they're having to work it to where his event won't start till Saturday, but he's got to play a game the four and then, you know, drive out. And it, it becomes very convoluted for everybody, but they make it work. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing I never really considered, you know, with everything that's going on at this time of year. And it's just a slew of people competing at the at the two-way level. Um, Neil I. Salazar from Lockney. Serena Menares from Seagraves, Shan Shatton from Abernathy, Kiana Brown, Floyd Data. You've got Post here. Uh, you've got a relay team from Post, a relay team from Abernathy. They're both competing in the mile against each other after finishing first and second post winning um, at the 2A regional meet. You've got Sundown all over the place. I mean, you've got Ashlyn Peralta. She's running in the 3200. Yeah. You've got um, Spencer Bryce, who's really good at the discus. And then, of course, Stephen Quintanilla, uh, who is a two-time defending uh, cross-country winner, is uh, competing in the 800. Sundown, over the last couple of years that I've been here, they send a lot of kids. Uh, it's just a community of track and field and cross-country athletes. And then on the 1A level, skipping over, unfortunately, just for time, a lot of really good 2A athletes, and and they're going to get their moments down in Austin, I'll be sure of that. Um, Caitlin Clardy from Anton. This is a girl who qualified in five different events. She could earn her school 50 points. And, like, let's say she won all the events, and I don't know if she will because she only got first in, in one of her events at regional, the top two from regionals advanced. But if she could win all five, and that's possible at this point in time and she's the only representative from Anton she could almost probably give them a state championship win on her own a team win in the team standings I think that the winner last year uh, scored 54 points as a team yeah like we said earlier with Cooper there's a lot of moving parts that need to happen but you can't I mean you can't make these stories up how awesome would that be to be where single-handedly bring your school a team trophy. I mean, that's just, it doesn't get any better than that. All right, so we've uh, covered track. Can't wait to get down there. That'll be my job Thursday, just traversing down there. We'll get going at uh, 8 a.m. on Friday. You can follow along um, with me. My Twitter is AJ underscore Mike Graham. The Lone Star Varsity account will be retweeting that. Um, And I tend to do some Facebook Lives and and some uh, interesting things that um, we haven't, probably haven't done enough of um, this year. Uh, I'm excited to, to bring that out and, and show you what we're looking at for uh, next year. Um, time. But another really cool thing we've been working on is on Sunday, the boys soccer super team will come out. And last Sunday, the girls soccer super team came out and we had some really good superlative winners this year. Yeah, uh, you wrote the story. You can talk a little bit about her. Heaven Rosette, our player of the year. Yeah, Heaven Rosette is someone who has a serious dedication to soccer as a junior. I mean, when she's not playing for Coronado, she's competing for FC Dallas. You know where FC Dallas is? It's in Dallas. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's uh, sometimes it's a 700-mile weekend for her, and then you stack a bunch of games into it. It's just exhausting, and that's a serious commitment to soccer. But it certainly pays off when she comes to play for Coronado. I mean, this is a girl who 
who scored 37 goals and 16 assists and got Coronado for the first time since 2008 to the regional uh, tournament setting. They, fe- they bowed out in the semifinal, um, but you can make an argument that they were just about as good as anyone else uh, in the region, whether you're talking about 6As or 5As. And you can check that story out online. She's just a junior, so there's a lot of potential for Coronado to uh, do really good again next year. And kind of going off of that, you know, with the season that Coronado had this year, finishing 22-7-1 overall and, you know, with the district title, make a run to the Class 5A regional semifinals. Alistair Caldwell earned our Coach of the Year award. Good coach. And it, that, like I said, that team was kind of young. So we could look, be looking at a repeat performance like next year. And uh, kind of moving on, we'll go offensive, defensive here. Offensive player of the year, Natalie Jones, a junior out of friendship. Uh, she recorded a, rail, a rare haul trick, which is something that we were introduced to uh, earlier in the year. It's not something that you see very often, but she got seven goals in one game against Coronado. I mean, seven goals. That's, some teams don't score that many goals in seven games. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so I think that was appropriate. She finished the season with 30 goals overall. Mm-hmm. And uh, our defensive player of the year just so happens to come out of friendship as well. A sophomore, Lexi Jackson. Uh, she was a district first teamer, and she had 20 shutouts and 56 saves uh, and only allowed eight goals. But those shutouts are huge. Friendship was a good defensive team this year. And uh, last but not least, our newcomer of the year, Abrisha Walker, um, as a freshman, scored 22 goals and led the team in uh, her first appearance with them. And she was the district's newcomer of the year and helped them reach the Class 5A regional semifinals. She's going to be a star. She is. actually. I mean, if you look at our superlatives, they're all coming back next year. So it's going to be... Soccer is going to continue to grow in this area with, you know, so many good players. And that about wraps it up, except we've got some news here, some changes coming to the um, Avalanche Journal staff. Uh, We're going to be losing Brian after this week, so I'm pretty sure this is going to be our last podcast until uh, resuming football season next year. uh, Yeah, I would love to come on as a guest at any time. But this will be my last week with the Lubbock AJ. It's been... It's been fun the last four years. Uh, I've met a lot of people, a lot of players, a lot of coaches uh, that have been just fantastic over the last four years. And I really hate to go, but feel like it's the right move at this point. So uh, there's that. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the future of the Lone Star Varsity and Lubbock Online is bright. Uh, you're going to get great content from Mike Graham good pictures from Brad Tollefson and I think you are going to continue to thrive and it's just been a blast and I thank everybody who helped out from coaches to co-workers you know and then the great news is Brian isn't going anywhere and you know I'm sure we'll get all sappy when we're hanging out at Buffalo Wild Wings in the near future but I want the people to know you know how talented you are and what you mean to this staff and especially to me you know coming in and and not having a grasp on anything and year one is so difficult for any reporter because you're just moving from new season to new season yeah new characters to new characters and you have helped me out so much this year and I, I really want you to know how much I appreciate you and and how much this the whole department appreciates you for for helping me get established here yeah i appreciate you and this department and good luck to you guys you know moving forward well that's going to do it for us 
As always, we really appreciate your time and we'll talk to you again to be determined.